You're listening to episode 314 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our journey with season two of the German Netflix series, Dark. And unfortunately, this is take two. God, we, we got the whole damn thing recorded, <laughs> and then my computer just died. So we're going to dispense with, uh, you know, the little everything chat that we <laughs> just ordinarily do and we're just going to jump into it but before we do that Wayne and I want to thank our Patreon supporters Mark, Fred, Dan, Cindy, Travis and Mike. Uh, if you're interested in supporting Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, you can go to the website scifitvrewatch.podbean.com. Look for the Patreon link on the right side or you can go to patreon.com/ sci-fi tv rewatch and then if you want to get in touch with us the email is sci-fi tv rewatch at gmail.com or you can go to the website which i gave you the address you can leave a voicemail there record your own audio clip if you want but as always we'd encourage you to consider joining the facebook group let me just take care of a few housekeeping items Uh, we're going to talk about the season finale tonight but we learned from last year that the finale has so much it really needs to be covered in two episodes so we're going to come back next week with some final thoughts some predictions for season three and you know one or two of them might even turn out to be correct the week after that we're going to discuss the first episode of the original bbc series dirk gently's holistic detective agency per patreon supporter michael jacobs request and of course we're both looking forward to that so, without further ado, because well, we've been at this for an hour and a half, let's uh, go ahead and get into episode eight of season two, titled Endings and Beginnings, which was written by Yante Frisia and Daphne Ferraro, who also wrote episode 201, which was titled Beginnings and Endings, directed, yeah. as always, by Baron Bo Odar. So uh, you've got uh, a little friend that has a saying that's probably pretty apropos. <laughs> yeah, so discussing uh, dark. I, I call my nephew. He's actually my grandnephew. He's my my nephew's son, but he's three years old. And I guess recently he saw something that alarmed him, and he just kind of put his hands on his hips and said, "What are the heck?" <laughs> So uh, the, I thought that was appropriate because there's a lot of stuff. Well, what I actually wrote in my notes was what the F dash dash dash. I must have written that about 10 times in my notes. Um, I'm not going to say that all the sense because we are a, fr- a family-friendly podcast. But I will say many times, what are the heck? Yeah, and obviously this is one of those scenes where we get far more questions than we get answers. We get a few answers. No, there's no doubt about that. And some of the answers of course, lead to a multitude of questions, but or a I multiverse think, of questions. Uh, yeah. And I want to say, I, I feel like I predicted that a few episodes back. And I think we get confirmation tonight that there is the many worlds theory at play here. Yeah, I have and, to admit, I was I was pretty impressed, Dave, because you were throwing the multiverse theory out uh, a couple episodes ago, and you had not watched all of it, but you know I had, so I'm just like, damn, Dave, nice, but I couldn't tell you that then because you know, yeah, 
Spoiler. That would be a spoiler. But right. but yeah, I, I guess what really got to me, and we'll talk more about this tonight, is that there are so many characters, versions of characters, that it's almost impossible to explain their presence in whatever timeline they're in in this you know this, this universe that that we're used to dealing with the past two seasons so what else could possibly be at play so yeah we get confirmation but i think the most mind-bending reveal tonight has to do with elizabeth and charlotte yeah that charlotte finally finds out who her father is not real pleased that it's Noah, but at least she knows who her father is still wants to know her mother. And we learn that it's her daughter, Elizabeth. Yeah. What are the heck? What are the so, heck? <laughs> so let's go ahead and start there because the opening scene, we see 2053 Elizabeth and she's in the woods. Looks like a downed helicopter and yeah, get in the chopper. Is, yeah. Is it military? Is it, civilian who knows look military it, it did and, and she unearths a buried ammunition case that's got some family mementos the the doppler family photo the knit cap that we always saw her with as a young girl and the big reveal the polaroids of noah baby charlotte and noah's wife we don't know if it's his wife the mother of the child. Now you said before we started recording that you didn't think immediately it was Elizabeth. I, I guess I felt that's who it had to be as little sense as it makes still. Yeah. I, I will admit that when I first watched it, I did not see that. So when it was revealed that Elizabeth was Charlotte's mom, I was like, what? Um, but so, you know, good for you, though, because I mean, I can see, I guess, wh when you look at it, because we, we say time and time again, how um, there's, we're, we're working with a limited cast of characters here, right? And it's it's just, these people just keep showing up and showing up. So like, like we said with Adam, well, of course, Adam is someone that we know. It's just a matter of who it is. And by the time it was revealed, there's no, I'm sorry, Jonas, and we pretty much figured that out on our own, you know? So, right. um, so yeah, so you see a lady with blonde hair, you know, it's not out of line to say, I wonder if that's Elizabeth, right? Which, and, which and is they, what turned out. Well, and they kind of confirm it for us right away with that split screen of adult Charlotte. So, you know, I, I think we, we get that confirmation right away, but I guess what still puzzles me, what prompts her to go dig those mementos up in the first place? Well, I mean, she's she's a mom. And yeah, she's a mom she to her own mom. Which uh, is, yeah, but at, <laughs> but at this point in 2053, she's a soldier. I mean, what well, prompts her to feel sentimental at this point? Yeah, soldiers got feelings too, Dave. Come on now. Okay, I, I guess. All right, well, well let's... Well, there's, so there's one thing, there's one thing when they um, are kind of looking at each other across the opening that's created at the end of the episode... And she s signs mom, but that like works on two different levels, right? On the one level, she's like, hey, mom. On the other, it's like, hey, Charlotte, I'm your mom, you know? Right. So. right. And 
we assume that she knows that, but maybe we shouldn't assume that. You know, I mean, I mean, the, the two of them at that point when they're touching fingers through the open portal uh, at the power plant, uh, they're roughly the same age, give or take 10 years or so. You, so you so, think Elizabeth doesn't know that Charlotte is her daughter? I yeah, that's what I'm wondering. Uh, I figured, I I feel like she would have figured it out by this so, point, especially okay. when she left. I, I, like the moment she left, we assume she left Charlotte with Tanhouse. That must have been the moment she knew that this Charlotte is going to grow up to be Charlotte, my mom. Okay. Right? Because well, she probably knew that her mother was raised by this quote unquote grandfather. Right. So when she leaves her daughter with the guy who raised her mom, around the time her mom would have been a child, then yeah, I'm pretty sure she knew what she was doing there. Okay. So when did that all take place? Because if the Charlotte, if the Charlotte that we know as a detective is somewhere between 45, 47 years old in 2020, then that means she was born in 73, 74, 75 was she born in another time and then brought to this timeline? That certainly seems to be a possibility. Yeah. Or, but, you know, when we first recorded this, <laughs> uh, we talked about how maybe uh, Noah and Elizabeth travel back to 1954, uh, grow up into their adulthood then and are, you know, about, you know, Elizabeth would have been, we figured, because you figured she was like about nine years old. So somewhere in her late 20s, early 30s, when 1970 rolls around, at which point they have Charlotte take a picture with her and then apparently either have her taken or leave her with, you know, Tanhouse. And then Elizabeth somehow ends up in the distant future leading a, uh, you know, a, a militia group and Noah ends up going back to be Adam's henchman until he gets killed by his own sister. Right. But part of the problem though is, and, and we see, I guess what I perceive to be the, the problem in all of this, we see it through Jonas. I mean, we know that Elizabeth was born in 2011, and I can't remember where I read that. I believe it's in one of the official dark wikis, but that would make her nine years old in 2020. We know she was in the bunker when the apocalypse happens. We know she survives. Right. So she must have gone from the bunker in 2020 to 1954, which would then if she's nine years old now in 1954. So by the time Charlotte would be born in 73, 74, 75, that would make Elizabeth around 30 years old, which is certainly something that makes sense. Sure. But how do we account for 2053 Elizabeth? So now that we know the multiverse theory is in play, uh, everything's open to, re-examination at this point yeah well it, it, so i mean i think we can 
say that, you know, young Jonas and Elizabeth, you know, reach uh, maturity that in that picture, which seems like that picture was taken right before something happens that then causes them to leave their baby with Tanhouse, Noah to go to work with Adam, and Elizabeth to go to the future to lead uh, the Wolverines. That's a Red okay. Dawn reference. I like it. Yeah, I remember that awesome movie. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so so something happened there. Like, probably not too long after that picture was taken, something happened that they split and left the baby with with Tanhouse. So, okay, and I guess we'll find out now. Tanhouse, we don't know him before fifty three. And when we first meet him in 53, he looks like he's probably in his late 20s, early 30s or so. So, uh, yeah. All right. Well, why don't we go back and start with 1921? Because we don't spend a whole lot of time in 21. But we see Noah telling his younger self that if he doesn't follow the same path, then I'll never come into existence. And this is something we've been talking about over the last few weeks, and I, I brought up the uh, symbolic nature of the train track as if they're on the track and there's no deviation from what your future is going to hold, that that fate has already been decided, and that sort of seems like what he's saying here. In, in fact, he then says, we're never free in what we do because our will isn't free either. It's, it's predetermined. But I found it interesting that he mentions his older self, and this is older Noah, not not the younger one in his early 20s, an older self that we haven't met yet, at least that I can remember. So, well, but there, there, there can't be, though. I mean, there, there can be, but there can't be an older him because him gets killed. Yeah, but now we're going back to you know, the grandfather paradox and, and uh, you know, you've mentioned before, you know, the, the scene in continuum when uh, right. liberate goes and kills Kellogg's grandmother. And then everybody's looking at Kellogg and he doesn't disappear. Right. So right. Good point. it's going to, right. I mean, it's going to be up to the rules that Yante Frisia and Baron Bo Odar have set down. And uh, I, I'm not sure a lot uh, yeah, of the rules I, have been plainly laid out. <laughs> here no no not at all um but it 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 seems like a strangely linear type you know like like there is like this child claudia middle-aged claudia older claudia young jonas middle-aged jonas adam right so we it's it's like there are these people who are in their past but then there's people you know, like like we said, like Peter for one, and Charlotte is another, who we just see in that one time, and we don't see them in any other time. And who else do we not see? Uh, um, well, who did you, you said Peter, and who was the other one you just said? And Charlotte, because I, okay, right, well, right, I, right. Well, no, no, but that's no, what, we, we see well, Charlotte, we see, right, right? We see here as a kid, right, right. right. So that, that's not true because she's collecting the dead birds, right? Yes, right. So my bad for that one. And then, you know, we do see young Noah and older Noah, but we don't see, despite, you know, being a time, well, but then you're a time traveler, so you can be anywhere at any time. And you could have 
an older self that looks just like you, but he's lived a year longer or two years longer or something like that. So I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's just what are the heck is really what I got to say. When Michael Conwell kills himself, why doesn't Mickle cease to exist? Um, and, and so you and you think if Jonas or middle-aged Jonas died, then Adam would cease to exist. See, maybe. I guess I don't think. Okay, and it's you know we don't have any definitive proof one way or the other at this point. Right. Well, but you know if if we go with the the multiverse theory, which I, I noticed a bunch of them, but you know I think well again going back to continuum was they had this idea that once something happens that changes something. Now we have a different timeline, like a different world, a different universe is created that goes that way. And this one stays this way. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> well, I think the, the question will be, is everybody that we've met in these first two seasons actually from universe a if you will i mean right. you know at this point we we don't have an, another name for him well i guess we'll have to come up uh with something like counterpart howard prime and jonas prime and but of course the, the problem here is that we've got three versions and but we get that yeah, scene who in knows where they came from right it, like, right, who knows, right right who knows if is adam is adam really the guy that so we, I mean, we never really came up with a name for Jonas with the beard. Like, well, I guess I Jonas refer to Jesus, him as Jesus, Jesus. Well, middle-aged Jonas, future Jonas, but uh, yeah, future-ish Jonas yet to become right. Adam. Yeah, because yeah, you know, we said how you know it's it's tough to see how younger Jonas becomes Adam. So, but if Adam is not this you know if adam's from like a different world that yes he is jonas but he's jonas from a different universe well then well okay well that's how jonas becomes adam you know i don't know this whole episode made my brain hurt well well it does and and a lot of it is predicated on killing people or so it seems i mean in 1921 noah confronts adam about lying to him and, and we've always seen noah almost as the enemy and now he seems the victim right tells him you used me and he's ready to shoot adam and of course adam knows that well you're not going to shoot me now i didn't notice it you had you had told me when we were talking earlier that the reason he doesn't shoot him even though he pulls the trigger i think twice is that he's still got the safety on yes and that when agnes comes in and takes the gun and then shoots her brother yeah she takes the safety off i i guess then the explanation is that's what is supposed to happen exactly and it's and it's something we've talked about before how many times has this happened i mean is this like a a groundhog day or um (laughs) You know, like in, in the magicians that you had reminded me of, uh, you know, is it one of those things that they just keep replaying? Or even in uh, Travelers, where the skydiving right. yeah, yeah, yeah. episode, right? Just even keep though doing it till you get it right, none of the characters really seems to be aware that that they've 
replayed these events over and over. It almost seems as if Adam is the only one that knows that, which may in fact be true, but Noah's dead, bullet to the heart, and then we get that final scene where Noah, young Noah, is walking away from the church. Now, one of the things that bothers me about this episode and, and again, we've talked about, okay, maybe the German education system is different. Maybe the German this is different. Well, Clausen and the power plant, clearly the judicial system in Germany has to be different or else they're just asking us to ridiculously suspend our disbelief yeah. here because Clausen comes in, he's got a warrant to search the power plant that's slated to go offline the next day. All right, fine. We thought he was concerned about finding his brother's killer, which, and he seems determined that it's Alexander. And now he, what, I guess figures he doesn't have enough evidence? Is that what leads him down path two? Yes. I, right, because he, I mean, well, he had zero evidence in the first place. And just because Alexander changed his name doesn't mean he killed his brother. You know, like, even Colossus not crazy enough to, to to make that leap, but so he's he's basically I'm going to jack you up one way or another. You know, if I can't get you for my brother's murder, then I will just go poking around the uh, the power plant and hey, what the hell? Let's uh, unearth some radioactive activity uh, uh, particles. Well, right, material. and I think you and I think you even mentioned a, a few weeks back that perhaps Clausen is from another time and and right from the start the fact that he doesn't drive seems to be uh, a, a red alert that we need to pay attention to but okay i can't get you for my brother's murder uh, i'll get you on what's going on at the power plant and of course well how are those two connected of course alexander's distraught because he knows what he's done at the power plant but but more to the point you know it's a judge issued a warrant for you to go search this power plant, this nuclear power plant based on what? Okay. And then he gets in there, starts poking around. Everybody tells him, no, 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 you can't go in there. It's radioactive. I don't care. I'm going yeah. in. Uh, and, what? You don't care. Okay. All right. So he suits up with his other guys and I'm thinking, okay, fine. You let him in there. I, I'll give you that, even though that's really stretching it. All right, break open the cement. What? Based on what information are they going to allow him to start breaking open the cement, which is, he already told him, we, we've sealed this reactor off. They do that, fine. They expose the yellow barrels. Open it. No, don't open wait, it. Wait, wait, what? So. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so, so know, like, we talked about this in, in you know, uh, you know, three fourteen Mark one, but um, yeah, I, I even listen to you talk now. I'm even more resolved in my belief that Clausen is some dude from the future, and that this was his mission to to at this moment to because you're right, it makes no sense. Like he originally went there to try and find out what happened to the missing kids. Well, pretty soon after he gets there, he, you know, he, yeah, he goes around asking a couple people about the kids, blah, 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 blah. And then all of a sudden, he's like in on Alexander, and he's investigating him. And we're like, well, that's not what you're supposed to be doing. You're supposed to be trying to find out about the kids. But he's worried about Alexander. And then now it's just like 
F Alexander, I'm going to go and just, you know, tear shit up at the power plant. And it's just like, well, yeah, it, it makes no sense whatsoever unless that was the plan. Like, that was the idea. All this other stuff was just like smokescreen to get the warrant, to get into the power plant, to tear up the thing. It just, the you know, it's like just the right time. It, it kind of goes beyond just like coincidence, right? Well, right. And of course, and then when he orders the drum opened and it unleashes uh, the black matter cloud that essentially causes the apocalypse. And, and, and like from my point of view, it, it's all his fault at, at this point. But well, I, yeah, I guess but to, it's supposed to, to be his fault. Like, I'm like, the more I, the more we talk about, it, the more I'm convinced that he. That was his mission. He was there to do that. Because think about all the other things. Like Adam had going back in 1921. Like it's like everything was set up and orchestrated to happen at this time. Well, that's true. So so I guess what you're saying is you feel like Clausen knew what he was going to find in that yellow drum. Yes. Or or that something just drove him. So if if he knew what he was going to find. I guess why beat around the bush? Just go straight there and you know, start digging because it up. He's, he's got to wait for that till that day. day and time. Okay, well, I guess I'd probably. And you can't just show up like the day before and be like, "Hey, I'm Clausen. Listen, I got a warrant. Let's go. Uh, let's go tear up the, the power plate." You know, so he has to get there early, establish his credibility, his credentials. And, and then, you know, gradually, like I said, make this move. Oh, well, I'm supposed to be investigating the kids. But, you know, I really want to talk to Alexander. Hey, Alexander. Oh, you're not going to talk? Well, guess what? We're going to go and check out. I know you're hiding something. We're going to go to the power plant. And then, boom. So it, it just seems like all of this, it's not like an accident. I don't think Clausen is uh, like an outlier, I, what I used to think he was. But I think he's totally a um, from some point i don't know with the future or he is was sent there to do exactly what he did okay and i guess we'll we'll just leave it at that because i i just wonder what happened to all the guys with ak-47s or ar-15s or whatever those automatic rifles were that we saw outside the power plant in season one you, you wonder why somebody didn't call one of them because i just can't imagine the judge's warrant included that but again not to not to belabor that so this is the day of the apocalypse june 27th 2020 and, and certainly people have speculated well when is season three going to drop and i i think the prevailing wisdom at this point is that it's going to drop on june 27th 2020 <laughs> so you I mean this year it dropped on june 21st so right you know we'll see that but, would be hardcore man that would be. But uh, time travel Jonas, young Jonas, and 1987 Claudia have, have teamed up. And I love it because he's sort of her mentor, wouldn't you say? Well, yeah. All right. So so we talk about like cycles, right? So we obviously we have this cycle where Charlotte is Elizabeth's mother, then Elizabeth is Charlotte's mother, right? That, that's a big cycle. We've got the cycle of the title, right? Uh, beginnings and endings, endings and beginnings. And now we have this cycle where Claudia, uh, eldest Claudia, is the mentor to Jonas. Uh, they spend a year together where, 
well, I mean, I mean, obviously, ultimately, he ends up in the 2050s, but they could have been freaking anywhere before that, right? Sure. Um, so she mentors him for a year. He says 12 months in the episode. And then he comes back and serves as the mentor to Claudia. So Claudia mentors Jonas, then Jonas mentors Claudia. And so, there again, that cycle is complete there. Right. And he tells her that his adult self tried to close the passage, but the cycle wasn't broken. And I guess he does really close the passage, but I guess we could argue, well, he doesn't quite close it because the cycle is not broken. He wants to reopen the passage, which confuses her since he told her that his future self wanted to close it. And then he comes up with that idea that he now has to start the disaster that we thought he wanted to avert. So again, that whole circular uh, cycle uh, idea, uh, it, it just seems to crop up everywhere in this episode. Hopefully he's right. And, and again, he, he, brings out in the open to make it clear what we already knew that Adam and Sigmundus want to create a new world. Jonas and Claudia want to save this one, but it sure seems as if Adam and Sigmundus want to destroy this world unless it's, you know, burn it to the ground and let's start over. But which I guess well, is certainly a possibility. Well, right, but even in the 2050s, they're talking about the prophecy as well. In fact, it's Elizabeth who's talking about the prophecy. So even though she and Noah kind of diverged, you know, that seems like they're still espousing similar, you know, ideas here. Yeah, well, that's true. The one scene in this time period, and we get a lot of emotional scenes, particularly with Jonas, multiple versions of Jonas and Martha. Right. But when Claudia goes to see Regina, the the Regina that is suffering from cancer, and she apologizes yeah, and bad for stuff. I mean, She's in a hospital bed. She's got IVs. Like she's yeah. she's doing really bad, right? Yeah, and just the, the immediate recognition that she has that this is her mother, and and you know, at first when she apologizes for disappearing, I'm thinking like. Well, wait a minute. When did you disappear? Oh, right. Oh, yeah. And, oh, and, oh, 30 years ago. <laughs> right. And that eventually allowed Alexander to take over the power plant because Claudia just disappeared. But she's there to get her mother to take her to the... I mean, she's there to get her daughter to take her to the bunker because she's been told that, that the bunker will be safe and that's where... You know, Jonas is trying to assemble the key individuals. Jonas returns home to find Martha there. I don't know about you, but I was pretty glad that she didn't pull a Jon Snow on him because. Well, you know, did I she? Mean, did she not? Well, she kisses him, acknowledges yeah. that they're perfect together. Right. And, right. I mean, Jon Snow once he finds out that that. Uh, that oh, she's oh his I, aunt, I, I thought you meant like the when they. You know, like did it. Oh he, he's no! About how like John Snow's like, ah, you're my aunt. Uh, I can't touch you. Right. Like, right exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, and, and and it goes beyond what Fred told us last year, uh, last week about the you know the laws in Germany and and the Netherlands that well, yeah. apparently it is legal, and who knows, it might even be in the United States. I, I don't know. I never looked it up, but 
you know, but 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 they certain Appalachian and, states. Be I am I, I'm thinking it, but I'm not saying it. Just pointing out. Okay. All right. Now Adam shows up also, and and we saw earlier him get into that protective suit. So I don't know if you have any thoughts on what that's supposed to be about. Well, yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's all about Darth Vader, baby. Oh, I like it. Yeah. Like they, like, uh, with the, the, the woman who, I mean, I don't, we haven't been confirmed that it's Francisca, but obviously we're, you know, a high 90% positive that it's Francisca. Um, but so she and Magnus help him get into the suit. And even there's the last bit is the mask and he gets it on and, and then the breathing starts. And it's just like, oh man, like that, you know, there's, there's no question. Um, which then also, as we talked about in uh, the uh, the first hour of this podcast, <laughs> the lost hour, you know, it's so the 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 parallels between Jonas slash Adam and Anakin Skywalker slash Darth Vader. I mean, there's a lot going on there, right? Well, there are, and I guess we see Anakin just be unable to get past his anger. And I guess we have to look at Jonas, the Jonas that we know as a teenager and the adult Jonas. Do we see them traveling down that path of hatred? Yeah. And that's, that's where I see the, because I mean, obviously I'm not going to add to the level of criticism for episodes one, two, and three of the star Wars trilogy. I think there's been more than enough said, but I think we all can agree that Adam's, Adam, sorry, Anakin's descent as portrayed in episodes one and two, particularly, is pretty ham-fisted. And, you know, like they say, look, yes, he's a good guy, but look, he's got a dark side. And so that's why he turns it dark. And like, we get it, right? Okay, so I get it. You're trying to show that there is a reason why this good kid, this good person, this likable heroic person eventually becomes this terrible person. But with Jonas, like, they don't really give it. Like, there's nothing. There's certainly no beating us over the head like George Lucas did. You know, there's nothing I can really point to that would seem to say, oh, okay, well, I can kind of see there how he – because we look at Jonas, both middle-aged Jonas, I guess the genus – you didn't like that, but but uh, middle aged Jonas and young Jonas, both we look at them, we're like, just no way. There's like no way this kid turns into Adam. There's this that's I can't see. It's literally impossible for me to see how that happens. Well, particularly the way Adam presents it. I mean, he he comes in, he shoots and kills Martha, who's now lying on the floor bleeding, and. He's, he's pretty direct that some pain you can't forget. So in other words, I'm going to inflict this pain on you that is going to cause you to go down that path. Well, if I know that's what you're trying to get me to do, why would I do it? Yeah, exactly. And right. Also, you might right. say, I don't want to become that guy because that guy is the guy who killed Martha. So if I don't become that guy, then I don't kill Martha, right? Right, so, right. But, but now, you know, there, there's something that happens between, you know, middle-aged Jonas and Adam, like because that's the that's the furthest. You know, we don't we haven't seen anyone between those two guys. 
So as far as we know, middle-aged Jones, who is still pretty idealistic, somehow he becomes Adam. And what happens there? Because that that bearded Jonas is not like really cynical, right? right. But, but this time, I'm not going to become Adam. I mean, it, it, it's almost like like we said, it, how many times has this happened? Right. So, you know, now you, you mentioned the middle-aged Jonas, that we get that scene with Martha who recognizes him as Jonas and, and you know, they touch foreheads tenderly and then she pulls away abruptly. And, and at this point, I'm thinking it's going to be the Jon Snow, you're my aunt, we can't have anything to do with each other. But it's him that says, I can't let you go this time. I saw you die once. So again, it's like what he knows that she's going to die at Adam's hands. Or is this yes. when he saw her cross in that field that time? No, because he, knows- he saw her because his younger self, literally, that was him who saw, okay. who saw Martha die. Yeah. So he... Gets her to the bunker, locks her in, apologizes, but I I think she understands. And and he even says, you kept me alive. I'm still here because of you. But that's not good enough because obviously Elizabeth and Peter show up. And when they open the door, she scurries out. And yeah, you know, so much, so much for your plan, bro. Right. But future Jonas activates the device in the cave reopens the passage inside the bunkers you know i think it's easy sometimes to forget that that that's the key to the bunker is is that there is a portal that will open in there i guess when somebody opens a portal elsewhere it for whatever reason opens one there as well and and uh you know martha can see it opening to jump a little bit ahead to young noah who shows up in 2020 somewhat out of place and he starts talking a theology almost that that Jonas is going to become the savior and you know we've talked about is there a world outside of Winden and while we we've seen that there are other people outside the four families because we've seen them at the PTA meeting and the school we haven't really seen anything outside of Winden right right well there there's a France i guess we haven't seen it, but we've heard about it. And, <laughs> we haven't and, seen France. We there, there's there's uh, people from France who want to meet with Claudia, and then the French guys who are executed in the far future. So um, so you know, really, what we we've only like any had any kind of confirmation of the existence of Winden and and France. So right, Katerina, we see a little bit, and and, and she's now hell bent to find Mickle, and, and she's got. She's got the light. She's got the map. She doesn't have a time travel device. And we don't really know whether she understands. Yes, yeah, she, yeah, she, she does. No, at that point, does she have it? Yeah. Yeah. She took the, uh, she took <laughs> which the, the, my, my favorite scene from this episode uh, because she took it from Magnus. Right. And right, so like right. Bartosz shows up, he's like, where's the, the time machine? And Magnus is like, uh, my mom took it from me. Yeah, but I'm trying to remember, you know, watching her go through the cave where she's got the light and then she pulls the map out, follow the signal, and then she goes through the door. Yeah, so, I'm not, I feel like she took it with her, but I'm not positive. 
Okay. Because she doesn't need it. I mean, she doesn't know that she doesn't need it, but we know she doesn't need a device to travel to another time through the door. And then, you know, she but opens the door. She because, no, but the doors don't work anymore in twenty. Because Jonas, right, yeah. because Jonas. All right. So, but do they work yeah. now? Well, right, and I guess we're led to believe door, right? when all this, they're, they're opening everywhere. Right. And she opens the door and we see this bright light. And, of course, we have no idea to what time she's going. I mean, at this point, we've only seen the five different time periods so whether it's one of those five or something we haven't seen yet we don't know but right. before she even well, leaves so the this, this is where I, just first of all while we're talking about okay. katarina because this is where i have my open letter to jonas and his temporal irresponsibility okay he has basically unleashed the two most unhinged people in this in this series He's unleashed them on the past, we assume. I guess, you know, if Katarina's there. His mother, who is like the Calamity Jane of time travel, is tooling around in the 50s. And now Katarina, who knows where she's going. So, you know, we, I questioned why Jonas was, why he showed Hannah how to use the time machine. Like, let me, let me show you how to fire off this can or let me show you how to detonate this bomb, three-year-old kid. Um, you know, I, I feel like he's doing that because like he said, like, I I just need to change it a little bit and that'll change everything. So maybe he figures sending back these loose cannons of Katarina and Hannah that they're going to just run riot through time and just mess things up so bad that Adam's whole plan just goes to crap. Well, that, that could be true. And what I just realized, because, you know, we get to the end and future Jonas or adult Jonas shows up and he's got the device because that's when he tells Francesca, Bartosh and Magnus that he's there to save them. So I believe that's the device that Katarina had. No, and it's I, not. It's no? not. Nope. Okay. okay. Nope. Nope. It's a different suitcase. Katarina has the one with like the, that's a big leather case. And okay. um, Jonas has the one in like the Samsonite type. Okay. Okay. So regardless, he, he's there now, to- I have no idea how the hell he got that. I don't know. I, I've lost track of, of where, because I know that's like the same time machine that, that Hannah has. It was definitely the one that Joseph, which he guessed maybe got from Claudia, but I just don't know. See, I think we only know of two. Yeah. And Hannah has one in 1954. Right. But it's it's like the same one that I think that Jonas has here. Okay. Well, Again, regardless, we can, he, with the multiverse, to, we can explain it all, right? Well, that's true. So so simultaneously, all these in all these timelines, uh, the portals seem to be opening. 2053, Elizabeth activates the black matter in, in you know the the remnants of the power plant. Um, in 2020, Clausen's ordering the drum opened up and the, and the black matter spills out. 1921, Magnus and Francesca are watching the black matter. And, and, and dude, I think that's my favorite incarnation of the time machine. It looks like something Nikola Tesla would invent. It's so cool. Yeah, it's, it's, it, was, it, was, yeah. it was wicked cool, yeah. Right. And, and then in the caves, Katarina sees, I don't know what to call them, time particles or, or whatever. 
and and she just yeah, follows the time sparklies. We get that portal in which Charlotte in 2020 can see Elizabeth in 2053. Yeah. In 2053, Elizabeth signs mom. And, and of course, I, I guess it's not clear exactly what she's intending to convey. Is she saying, you know. That's what we got in hey, common. We're moms. Yeah, hey, I'm right. your mom. You're my mom. We're mom. Right. Right. But um, do they actually touch fingers? Well, I, you know, we don't see them actually touch fingers, but just kind of like what happened in the last episode of season one with Jonas and Helge is we see them reaching for one another. And then they like, it, it's like this shot. This is like Charlotte gets like yanked through something, you know, like you see her just kind of like her eyes bulge out and you see her move very quickly toward the camera. Um, so my working theory is that she got either pulled to the 2050s or she and Elizabeth switch places in the 2050s, you know, but I, I, I feel pretty strongly that Charlotte gets taken someplace. Right. Because we saw that back in season one, the whole touching fingers between portals yes. and, and the changing places. So, uh, you know, so we get the apocalypse, uh, if you will, but the, the, the real, big game changer is of course you know we we see martha's dead body on the floor young jonas is startled by a different martha and she immediately says i'm not who you think i am and do that i think was without a doubt the coolest time travel device we've seen the little handheld one from Another world, not right. not what time am I from? What world am I from? And and then of course we, yeah, I, I think at that point have to acknowledge that we are dealing with the many worlds theory. And well, then of course yeah, the house obviously. blows up, yeah. But we assume you know they've gone. So, well, you um, know, it's funny because this Martha, whereas you know Martha in twenty twenty we've seen, it's always been kind of like, I'm not gonna say a victim, but you know, kind of at the mercy of others and having things done to her and having her way decided by others. And now comes like this kind of goth kick-ass Martha who's like taking charge and like telling Jonas what's going on. She's got this awesome time machine, just completely different type person than the Martha we're used to. Yeah. Um, dude, I'm loving it. So what are we going to call yeah. her? Uh, Gartha. She's like Goth, Martha, Gartha. Okay. Gotha. Right. I like it. Gotha, Gartha, so, Gartha. One of those. Right, I don't so, know. so in the bunker at the end, we've got young Elizabeth, her dad, Peter, young Noah, 1987, Claudia, and Regina. So I guess the question is, where do they go? I mean, we're, we're certainly led to believe that they will all survive. Do they go to 1954? yeah shit well maybe they all went back to the past and they're their own parents you know who knows well i guess i'm wondering whether they go to 1954 and then that makes elizabeth nine years old in 1954 and and in terms of her getting to an age where she could give birth to charlotte i'm gonna go with that i think they that group goes to 54 
which then, of course, leads to some other uh, issues that we'll talk about next time. Sent to an unknown time completely, Bartosz, Magnus, Francesca, and adult Jonas, we have no idea where he took them. Yeah, and maybe we don't, we, back to, what, what do we figure, it's 1888. 1888, right? Yeah. Right, no, 1887. Because, okay. 30, 33 years, right? Uh, we'll, we'll do the math for next time. <laughs> 1887. So, okay. yeah. So, if they are approximately 33 years older in 1921 than they are, I, it seems like they might be, yeah. maybe about that. I don't know. I'm not going to make comments because I was, I got, after Last year, declaring that future girl was Martha, just you know, that was like way off. Well, so, well, I mean, there's so many ways it could play out. I mean, Jonas could taken them to 2053, and they live there for 30 years, and then takes them back to 1921. I mean, we just have no idea. I think if they go back to 1880, that would be awesome because, like, now we're talking about the Belle Epoque and everything. It'd be yeah. cool. They can go to cabarets. They can, you know, yeah, it's too like, ex- too expensive. Hang out costs. with Marx. It'd be cool. Though yeah, Marx was so. in London, so they'd have to travel. Okay. But it'd still right, be well, wild. <laughs> well, among the dead, the Martha that we know. Uh, older Noah, older Egon. I- I'm assuming, but I guess I probably shouldn't assume that Charlotte, you know, adult Charlotte, dies in that apocalyptic black cloud. But I guess it's just as likely that she travels through that portal and ends up somewhere else. I wish Clausen would I, die I, in I, that. I, but right. well, but I, you, you know, and here again, cycle. Does Clausen get sucked into the future so that he goes back to do the stuff that leads, you know, like, you know, is it, is it again, this big cycle, you know, where he like gets sent to the, the futures to some other time only to be sent back again in order to carry out what sent him to this new time in the first place. Okay. Now, mm-hmm. assuming that they didn't touch fingers and switch places or whatever, we older Elizabeth is still in 2053. Maybe. Uh, yeah, right. We know Hannah, Ulrich, and younger Egon are in 1954. Safely in the 50s. Francesca and Magnus are in 1921. Maybe and, Francesca. And, and yeah, I think it's like you said, 90% confidence uh but they're both at least in their mid 50s and could be older but you know we'll just we'll just let it go at that but you know i i think probably this is a good place to stop and then when we come back next week we can fill in a lot of the gaps uh, make some predictions you know where we think these people are and uh you know i I guess the the other one that we didn't mentioned just now is that i guess we have to assume that martha has taken time travel jonas to another world to her world where that is or you know what it's like there uh you know we don't know and you know we we covered the pilot episode of charlie jade way back in the day and and that is certainly a show that that deals with the multi verse theory and i guess anytime you 
you deal with this, you run the risk of going too far. I mean, how many worlds do you actually explore? Because the theory says it's an infinite number and Charlie Jade stuck with three and, you know, that worked, but it'll be interesting to see what dark does. Yeah. And, and you're right. That that's absolutely the, the hazard of using multi- multiverses because now you can basically have anything happen and like a character dies with their back and this, that, and the other, you know, like it can get just too crazy and too, I, I, I mean, the writing can just get lazy and you just explain everything. Now, obviously I have no concern at all about the writing for dark being lazy. I think that the, the writing for dark has always been so spot on from word one, at least the translation writing, I should say. That I don't I don't see that happening, but but that's that's where you can always run into that trap of just going too far with the multiverse and explaining every crazy plot point by oh multiverse right. We're talking to you, Flash. Yeah, abs- yes, yes, that is prime example of it getting out of hand. So, all right. Well, why don't we go ahead and stop there? Let's hear what Fred has to say this week. It's a, his his feedback is a little different this week so here's fred and we'll be right back hello dave and wayne this is fred from the netherlands with some music feedback about dark i announced uh, two podcasts ago that i would discuss an article which focuses on the seven most important pieces of music in dark So, I will do that now. Okay, the title song of Dark is called Goodbye, and it's performed by the band Apparat. And in the song we hear Anja Plachke, and she is known from an Austrian experimental music project called Soap and Skin. Furthermore, I already talked about that in the season finale of season four of Breaking Bad, there is a scene which also has this theme music of Dark in it. Okay, the next song is by Nena. It's called Irgendwie, Irgendwo, Irgendwann, which means somewhere, somehow, sometime. They chose this song because it's so specific for the mid-80s. And even Wayne said something about it. But about another Nena song. Uh, when I was a kid, 99 Red Balloons or 99 Luft Balloons. Actually, 
was released with the English version on one side of the 45 single. For you kids out there, they used to make these things called records, and they would sometimes sell those records as singles, and they'd have a big hole in the middle, and they'd call it a 45, because you play it 45 revolutions per minute on a record player. This is a really cool thing. So I definitely bought that one. That was a huge hit here. So, especially for you, not from Dark, but as a nostalgic thing for you, Wayne, here are the German and the English versions. Okay, we go to the next piece of music, which is called Familiar by Agnes Obel. Agnes Obel is eine... <laughs> I switched to German. Uh, Agnes Obel is a Danish piano player who also sings. This song is especially used at the end of the episode where we see the split screens and we reflect back to what happened in the episode and where the different characters are at that moment in the story. Okay, the next song is Pleasure to Kill by Creator. This song came out in the year 1986. Afterwards, it became one of the most influential death metal uh, songs. This is, of course, Ulrich's favorite song. And Ulrich says a phrase from this album to Egon in 1953. My only aim is to take many lives. The more, the better I feel. And of course, the 1953 Egon cannot do anything with that. And if you think this sentence from the record is chosen because it's so badass, no, it's chosen because it's said after 33 seconds from the beginning. Why 33? Uh, Okay, that was a very short fragment, but that's because I cannot appreciate this kind of music. The next song is Melody X by Bonaparte. Bonaparte was once a punk bohème band, but this is a very easygoing song. Tobias Jund uh, sings this song. For love in the times of hate 
How many swipes for a blow of fate? It's about a person who has lost everything, and at the same time, he is giving them hope. And that's exactly what some people in this series need. Until everything right goes wrong, you keep a light on, you keep the light. You hear this song, for instance, for the first time when Egon Tiedemann is discovering that his wife loves Agnes. Dream up high. Oh, you know you try. Oh, you know you try. It's the worst case scenario, lullaby. And then the rent is. The next one is May the Angels by Aleph Lenz. May the angels bow down for you and lay their Some time ago, you could score a hit with posting something on YouTube. But these days, that doesn't work anymore. What new musicians sometimes do is make scores for series. And then they get popular because of that. And that's what happened to this Aleph Lenz. He also had a score for Black Mirror. And now he made this especially for Dark. These creepy chorals were used when Jonas discovers in 1921 the by Sigmundus Creatus created Higgsfield or God Particle. May the angels The last one is My Body is a Cage by Peter Gabriel. It's not by indie rock superstar Arcade Fire. But this is uh, from the ex-Genesis lead man, Peter Gabriel, from his album Scratch My Back. He didn't want to put any guitars and any, any drums in it. And that's perfect for this last episode of season two of Dark and is used after Adam shoots Marta. Perhaps your body is in a cage in space and time, but perhaps in other dimensions there are other laws of physics. It's a perfect song for somebody in despair like Jonas. But then, when the violins come in, perhaps there is some hope. I have promised Dave to keep my feedback this time less than 10 minutes, so I just have one final remark. Dave, you were right. It's not only different times, different periods but also different dimensions. Greets, all the best. Thanks for this ride. Fred from the Netherlands. All right, so he's focusing on the music, and, you know, like a lot of good shows, Dark is certainly one of them, that the music really does play an integral part, and it often gets lost in the shuffle because there's so many other things to talk about. So, you know, it's really great that Fred was able to do this. 
but he does have a couple of questions. And, and the one that I don't really have an answer for is how Hannah ends up in 1953 and not in 87, because with the time machine, we thought you could only jump one interval. So I don't know. I don't know if that's a rule that has been concretely laid out. Or did she do a double jump? You know, did she go to 86 first and immediately Uh set it and jump back to 53 as well? You know, Um, and, and then he corrects me on, you know, what I had said about the genetic makeup and and connection of an aunt and a nephew. So, uh, yeah, Fred, I, I understand you definitely couldn't let that one go. So, um, yeah, so that's great that you cleared that up. Um, he has updated the pedigree on the Facebook page and at least for now, that's going to be all we have until season three, but Yeah, I, I, you know, I'll tell you the the soundtrack for Dark yeah. is just just really phenomenal. Well, especially you know, particularly this episode, uh, Peter Gabriel's "My Body Is a Cage." Oh my gosh, um, an amazing! Now, have you ever heard the Johnny Cash version? I don't think so, dude. You have to go download the go now. Get YouTube. Actually, that's the first time I ran across this song. Honestly was hearing Johnny Cash recording. He When he did his American recordings with uh, Rick Rubin uh-huh. um, in the last years of his life, uh, just some freaking amazing albums. And and he did this one, and it is just incredible. Um, so I knew he didn't write the song, but you know, so it was actually hearing Johnny Cash led me to discover the, the Peter Gabriel version, which is all, obviously is also amazing. It was a great song and just such a, 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 a just an amazing song to use at that point in the episode too, you know. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and stop there and uh, hopefully everything will save <laughs> correctly this time. It looks good so far, but yeah. that's going to do it for this episode of Sci-Fi Dave, you know, TV. I, I think you should like maybe just as an extra bonus to, to those who want, we can, we can send them just my half of the original yeah, one hour recording. I like it. Yeah, I like it. And then, like, we'll, we'll come up with like a contest, like the best person to to fill in their the other half of 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 it. Yeah, you know, what? I think this is. I think we got an idea going here, Dave. Oh, I like it. I like it. So, all right. Well, that sounds like a great idea, and we want to thank you guys for joining us for version two of our discussion. We'd love to hear what you think about Dark, the finale, anything else going on in genre TV encourage you to join the facebook group uh, if you're already a member you can spread the word bring other people in emails go to sci-fi tv rewatch at gmail.com voicemails can go via the speak pipe tab which you can access through the website we'll be back next week to continue our discussion of dark season two and the finale episode in particular but until then so like you know not like a lot of people know about this moment in american history but there's like this one time that George Washington was like his home in Mount Vernon and they had this just blast knockout party and he was just out of his mind he had no idea where he was or what was going on and uh, it went, like, he just grabbed Thomas Jefferson kind of shook him by the lapels and said I have to find my mother and Martha <laughs>